Thanks for downloading this show from PC1. Before we get rolling, here's a word from one of the folks who helped bring you this podcast. The following program is a podcast1.com production. Great to have you here on the Clark Howard Show where it's about you and your wallet. I want you to learn ideas from me so that you can keep more of what you make. Coming up in 20 minutes, when is the Wells Fargo stuff going to stop having one layer after another of misdeeds? You need to hear in today's Clark Rageous Moment the latest mess at Wells Fargo. And a half hour from now, a new list of the best-paying jobs in America. I want to tell you where the opportunities are for you either to go get more training or if you're in school, where you should be looking in order to have the best career path possible, at least what it looks like right now. Clark.com is our website. When you have a question for me, go to clark.com slash ask. And I want to talk about something that has me very concerned. Do you know that you can borrow money to buy stocks? It's something known as buying on margin. And so someone will say, you know, I'd like to have 100 shares of that, but wouldn't it be better if I could have 200 because the market's going to go up to the sky. So you buy 100 shares and you borrow the money for the other 100. Classic example of margin. And the money people are borrowing to buy stocks just hit an all-time record high. It's more than half a trillion dollars. So the problem with this is that the stock market has been on a steady upward trend for eight years now. The market hit its low point almost exactly eight years ago this week. And since then, it's gone, it doesn't go straight up, but it's gone steadily upward, and stock values have climbed to the point where the air is pretty thin. And at some point, we're going to have a market decline that could be steep but even if it's not steep the problem when you gamble by borrowing money to buy stock is that even a small decline in the value of that stock can lead to something known as a margin call that's where you're given usually just a couple of hours to come up with the cash to cover what you borrowed or the stockbroker that lent you the money to buy the stock will immediately call the loan due, sell your shares, and guarantee a loss for you. You know, margin works great when things are going up. Margin can be a nightmare and in the worst cases can wipe you out when a stock declines. So to have people borrowing money at a record clip to buy stocks at a time when stocks are so high-valued is very, very risky and very dangerous. I, my feeling about margin is that the amount of margin that makes sense is no margin. There are people who, and I'm an investor, I'm not afraid of risk. I invest very heavily in the stock market. But I do it well diversified. I put money in every month. 
And I'm a slow and steady guy with that. All I want to do is create financial security and wealth. But doing margin is for people who love to gamble. And if you really love to gamble, why don't you go somewhere fun like Vegas, take in some shows, go lose your money at the casino, see all the bright lights. I mean, that to me is how risky it is to do margin lending. I don't think you should ever do it. Sarah is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Sarah. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing fine, Clark. Sarah, you you went to hear a pitch about how to handle your investments. Is that right? Uh, yes. And was it a great free meal you got? No, it was just informational about what to do when you retire, how to prepare. And so you went to this thing, was it like two hours long? Yes. And what kind of things did they get you excited about? Well, about like, you know, Social Security benefits and, and things like that. We're getting ready to retire uh, in in a year or so. So it was good to know, you know, little things like that about how to claim your Social Security and what to do, you know, when to put it off as long as you can, if you can't afford to do that. Yeah, absolutely. That is that is generally true probably 95% of the time that people take Social Security too soon and that delaying it gives you a better return than almost anything you can do as an investment today is to delay taking Social Security. What other kind of things do they talk about? Okay, and then another one was um, investments, like in... R-E-I-T's, and I sounded really good, and we are currently invested in the market, totally invested in the market, and I want your opinion about R-E-I-T's because we were told that these are different. They're not traded on the market. Right. Uh, These are um, short-term uh, as little as uh, some are four years and six years, and um, the, that they do better because they don't go along with the market. It doesn't matter what the market is doing because the market could fall really low, but you would still be making a good return, like 6 to 8%. And well, at the uh, end don't, don't wait, 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 6 or 8% maybe maybe not now let me say first let me explain what uh, the way you pronounce that is REIT what a REIT is for your fellow listener REIT is a real estate investment trust and it's a method of pooling people together to own real estate could be office buildings could be apartment complexes could be hotels could be parking lots uh, could be um, storage facilities there, there are REITs for most any kind of real estate. Could even be medical facilities. Could be in a in a REIT. And the idea is that the promoter of it puts together a group of people. They take their cut, and then if they have chosen well and bought properties well at the right time at the right prices, and they keep the places maintained and well rented, 
you might make six to eight percent. But there are several ifs there. It is not a sure thing automatic pilot. I don't have a problem with REITs being a part of what you might do. Somewhere 10 to 20 percent of what you might do with money that you have to invest. But they're not like something that you say, oh, REITs are the answer. We're just going to pour all our retirement money out of the stock market and put it all into REITs because they said we're going to earn 6 to 8%. That is, that is a hope. That is not any kind of guarantee. Okay. Can you lose your money in this? Oh, yes. Okay. Oh, yes. So they're not – that's the thing. Anytime you invest, the very nature of investing is that you can – lose money as well as make money. So REITs are not like uh, I can put my money in and I'm going to sleep just as well as I would putting my money in a bank CD. They're not like that at all. But what I'm hearing from you is you've reached a point in your life you're trying to make sure that the money you've worked hard to save will last for as long as you live. Is that really why you went to this thing? Yes. I think that you would best be served paying somebody for his or her advice about here you are a year out. What are the things you should be planning for? What are the things you should be doing with your money? And I really like the idea of you sitting down with somebody that you write him or her a check to look through what you're doing and recommend what you should be doing. And there's a group called Garrett Planning Network. And if you go to GarrettPlanningNetwork.com, you'll be able to find people near you that you can pay a couple hours for, uh, for a couple hours' time and pay an expert to say, okay, so Sarah, based on your situation, this is what I think you should be doing. And here's why. And again, Garrett is, because you're paying for the advice, they're not trying to make money selling you anything. It's fee only. GarrettPlanningNetwork.com. Give them a call. Michelle is with us. Hi, Michelle. Welcome to the Clark Howard Show. What's going on, Michelle? In my early 20s, I made a lot of credit mistakes. Didn't really have the teaching on credit that, you know, now I know to give my children. So, you know, I I learned later in life. I went through about a 10-year period where I didn't use credit at all as a result of the mistakes that I made, just kind of being afraid to approach it at all for those reasons. Yeah, but now you sound like somebody who can handle it just fine. It's taken a learning curve. It's definitely taking a learning curve. And I think, you know, with age, I got a little braver and started kind of at step one. I was, you know, fortunate to have some good friends that were kind of able to guide me through some basics. And at this point, I've reestablished my credit. I have, you know, a, approximately about a 760 credit score. That's wonderful. Um, yeah, and, and I've worked very hard for that. But now I'm also very protective of what I've built. And credit can be complicated as sure. far as, you know, knowing different things that we need to do. And How I can I help this, you now? My big question right now is, I have a credit card that I established it with a secure card, and I established it a few years back to try to rebuild my credit, 
And, you know, it was a wonderful opportunity for me at that time to be able to start over. But, you know, this is a card with an annual credit fee of approximately $70. You don't need it anymore. You have traditional cards now, too, right? Yes. Yeah, I've if you've got... if you now where I know the rules. But sure. If you've got two real cards, it could be a Visa, MasterCard, Discover, American Express, any two of those four, that secured card that was a bridge for you, that was like training wheels for you to reestablish credit, serves no purpose in your life anymore. The $70 can serve a purpose in your life. And I'm so excited for you about how successful you've been rebuilding your credit. And you're probably inspiring others who've had a tough time with credit as well. Today's Clark Rageous Moment is our seventh about Wells Fargo since last year. But the cultural rot at Wells Fargo seems to go on and on and on. Spams, rip-offs, outrages. It's a Clark Regis moment. Wells Fargo just failed a checkup from federal regulators from the Office of the Controller of the Currency, which is usually the best friend the banks have. The Controller of the Currency has a history of being an apologist for anything bad, rotten, or dirty that ever happens at a bank. But for them, the words I'm about to read to you are incredible says that they'd uncovered, quote, an extensive and pervasive pattern and practice of illegal credit practices across multiple lines of business within the bank, resulting in significant harm to large numbers of consumers, end quote. The problems at Wells Fargo that they uncovered, this is not involved with all the fake accounts. These are other things Wells was doing that may have been criminal in nature, at least were against the law. And so Wells is now put into a penalty box where they're restricted on doing a new business at the bank until they correct these problems. And this is crazy that the bank is so broken. But this is a twofer because in addition... There was a high-level banker at Wells Fargo in 2010 who went forward to internal auditors and told them about the illegal activity going on with opening up the fake accounts for the millions of people. And what was his reward for coming forward and turning in the bank? And I said his, the way they've done this, the person's identity has been kept secret, so his or hers, is the banker was fired. Now think about how early the scandals at Wells Fargo would have stopped if when someone came forward with the courage of his or her convictions and spilled the beans on all the illegal activity going on with opening the fake credit card accounts and home equity lines of credit and personal loans and checking accounts and all that. But instead of the company doing the right thing, Wells Fargo, it's rot running so deep, fired this person. Now, seven years later, they've been ordered reinstated and being paid $5.5 million 
for having been illegally canned as a whistleblower. You need to know that Wells Fargo has operated as a criminal enterprise for years and years and years. It is a company where the rot runs very, very deep and wide. The culture of the executives at Wells Fargo and the management has obviously been rotten and terrible, and it is an absolute crime that the criminals have not been held to account and that nobody has gone to prison. The thing I want you to know is that this is a bank that you do business with at your own peril. Be aware, be wary, and know that even though they say they're going to change their operation, the reality is, since no one has suffered real consequences there, no one has lost their freedom by going to prison, the signal it actually says is you can keep doing what you're doing as long as nobody finds out. Hi, I'm Clay Smith, host of Fully Booked by Kirkus Reviews, the podcast for book lovers interested in interviews with best-selling authors, insider scoop on the hottest releases, reading ideas for book clubs and bibliophiles, and even tips about which books to skip altogether. So be sure to download new episodes of Fully Booked by Kirkus Reviews every Tuesday. You can get it on the Podcast One app, or you can subscribe on iTunes. And don't forget to rate, review, and share. I'm glad you've joined us here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you learning ways to save more and spend less, and don't let anyone ever rip you off. You can follow us at facebook.com slash Clark Howard. You want to follow deals? Go to clarkdeals.com, where we keep you up to date on great ways for you to save money. And clark.com is our website. I know that when we post an item on Clark.com about where the best career opportunities are for people with college degrees, without college degrees, or just in general, it's always a very highly visited thing on our website. And it's because people are looking for ways to improve their lives, to improve yourself. And so Glassdoor has put out a new list of the job categories that tend to be the highest paying in the U.S. So there are a number of jobs that you will do very well, but one category pops out, and it's many of the areas of medicine. Pharmacists, are right on the list, along with nurse practitioners, physician's assistants, and those three jobs are in and remain in huge demand. In particular, nurse practitioners and physician's assistants are key and central to how we're going to deliver primary health care in the United States for potentially generations to come. And it's because doctors have no excitement after they get out of medical school in becoming primary care doctors. 
So physicians, which top the list of professions in terms of average pay, are going very heavily into specialties. So it's created this enormous pent-up need for those that can provide the role, fill in that role of primary care and continuity of care to the overwhelming percent of Americans. Now, there's been a lot of stats recently about how most people have their issues with medicine turn out to be very minor things. Sometimes there will be a chronic condition, but it won't be one that is life-critical. And so having consistency with a physician assistant or nurse practitioner who gets to know you, knows your concerns, and you see him or her, it's the perfect marriage because it's an opportunity for them to make a good living for you if you become a PA or NP, and it solves an enormous societal need. And there are many different categories in medicine. Remember, medicine is nearly one-fifth of the U.S. economy. Most of the things in medicine that pay well and are in demand require various levels of education. And it is an area where if you enjoy it, it's a perfect opportunity for you to earn a decent living and help people at the same time. And it goes without saying that tech jobs dominate so many of the high-paying jobs and the jobs in demand in the United States. And that will continue for years and years to come. What the jobs are called in tech, you know, the titles will change, but it is where things are happening. And I encourage you so much, if you are someone who, the word STEM is very heavily used now, but if you are someone who gravitates towards a STEM education, know that also puts you on a path to the career fields and jobs that are the most secure, the easiest to find, the most in demand, and as a result of all three of those things, generally pay the best. Veronica is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Veronica. How are you? Hi, good. How are you today, Clark? Great, thank you. You have a son headed off to college. Yes, um, but you know, I've been a listener of, of yours through the years, and you have always been a strong advocate of not using debit card, because I think most college uh, the parents send the kids to school on a, you know, the debit card. Yes. But I am, you know, based, because of your advice, I'm very wary of sending a debit card to... For, to well, to, well to, I'll tell you what I like, Veronica. Let me give you an alternative that I like. Is uh, Do you have a credit union membership yet? No. I'd love for you to join a credit union. Have your, I'm sorry, do you say son, is it a son or daughter we're talking about? It's a son. Have your son join the credit union with you. And what I like for someone to use in college is what's known as a secured credit card. Uh Uh-huh. Which will be a traditional Visa or MasterCard. With the rights that come with a traditional Visa or MasterCard. But the limit is controlled, at least for the first year or so, 
by how much money has been put on deposit in a savings account or CD at the credit union. So yeah. you're you're doing something equivalent to a debit card, but with consumer protections built in that would not exist otherwise. And then the neat thing is after a period of time, the year or 18 months, as long as your son uh, pays the bill each month or you pay the bill for him, however your arrangement would be, he will then establish credit with a traditional, they'll convert it to a traditional Visa or MasterCard. Can anybody join a credit union? Even yes, pretty much anybody can join a credit union now. That was as a result of a law passed by the Congress uh, many years ago now that credit unions, many are, are what are known as community credit unions, which means simply by your zip code, you're eligible to be a member of a credit union. And so if you go to cuna.org, Mm -hmm. .org, which is Credit Union um, National Association, CUNA.org, you'll see the Credit Union Finder button there, and you can put in your zip code, and they'll show you all the credit unions you're eligible to join where you live, and then you look to see if they offer either a college student credit card program or a secured card program. Do you suggest getting a credit union near where he goes to school? No, you know, with online banking now, mm-hmm. having branches is usually not important anymore. Okay. So I I understand why so many parents set up a debit card for a son or daughter going to college that ties into maybe even the parent's checking account. But I don't right. like that because, again, you don't have protections Yes. On that debit card. Yes. And um, also, the other thing that um, we have been very blessed and fortunate um, that he's going to go to on school on a full ride. Um, he is? Yes. Everything all paid for, except for textbooks. Um, he's going to get food. Wow. Seven days. So you have a brainiac for a son. <laughs> well, thank you. Um, so in exchange for that, because we, we kind of edge him along to, we encourage him to take the full ride path rather than some other schools that we have to pay some. And we felt that he should go to graduate school after when he finishes undergraduate, that, um, that we would rather that we help him, you know, take, help him with graduate school rather than undergraduate if we do not have to help him in undergraduate. But we also want to assure that money will be there for him. And so part of the thing, part of the negotiation that we, my husband and I offered to give him $10,000 a year for every year, you know, um, for him to start investing or for, for him to use the money for graduate school later on. So what would you suggest that he do with the money in the meantime? You know, that like we, we wanted to give him... Well, because it'll be used in such a short cycle... Uh, starting right. as soon as four years from now, right? you can't invest that money. It can only be saved. Uh, it okay. can only go into CDs or savings accounts because an, a window that short is too short to invest. Uh, because okay. by the very nature of investing, you can lose money. Right. And right, right. investing in stocks or companies or anything like that is just too risky 
with that short a time window. And by the way, Krista found a better website for you to find a credit union. Right. It's findacreditunion.com. Findacreditunion.com. So okay. check that out. And congratulations again on having a son who gets a full ride scholarship. Something I couldn't have even dreamt of when I was in school. Elizabeth is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Elizabeth. Hi, Clark. How are you? Great. Thank you, Elizabeth. You have a question about your home for me. I do. My husband and I are purchasing a home in another state, so we're looking around for insurance, homeowner's insurance. We might be able to get a policy with Amica, which I know you're always really high on, but we were wondering if we shouldn't go to an independent agent and have them shop around for us. I think that's absolutely great to do. When you buy a new home is a great time to shop the market, and an independent insurance agent has the ability. There are some insurers now that are what are known as direct writers. They don't work with independent agents, but many others still do. And so getting a quote from an independent agent can be helpful two ways. Not just the premium, but independent agents, because it's what they do every day, may have suggestions about levels of coverage you should have up and down optional riders you should attach that may not have occurred to you and could keep you out of harm's way later if you ever do have a claim. Okay, and there's no downside to using an independent there's no agent? Downside, there's no downside at all to using an independent agent. Uh, if, if you wanted to get me thinking that way, the only downside is, again, they're not going to quote any of the direct riders. The companies like okay. Amica that write direct, and oh. just one example. Okay, so now we have to compare what they give me to what Amica gives me. Right. Okay, and, and don't you normally recommend, though, that even if Amica's a lot more expensive, that it's worth it or not? Well, Amica initially will be more expensive because you have to buy in as an owner. Oh. It's after that first year that the premiums, in theory at least, should be equivalent, and the rebates can be quite large. And I forgot, Krista, you're Amica. How much was your last rebate for the last year? We use them for everything, so it was like close to $1,000. So they they give you, it's like a dividend check. If their claims, what they call claims experience, is below what they expect, they then give that money back to the policyholders because that's who owns the place. Okay. All right. That's really good to know. So it's a different kind of experience because, number one, because the policyholders own it. You're not in an adversarial relationship when something comes up with a claim. That's why they always come up so high on any consumer rating. And then, two, because you own it, if they have a good year, the money comes back to you not to some stockholder somewhere. It's just a good deal all the way around for you as a consumer. Gosh, that sounded like a commercial. It was not. Amica and USAA, though, those two companies, as you may have heard me say, Elizabeth, those two historically have come in at the top or near the top in every consumer survey Consumer Reports has done and other groups have done for going back a couple of decades. Or do you have any prior military in your household? No, I wish we did, because I know USAA is really good, but we don't. Well, Amica is right there with them, so getting a quote from them and from an independent agent is a good one-two punch. 
Chip is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Chip. How are you doing? I am doing wonderful. How are you? Great, thank you. How can I be of service to you, Chip? Uh, yes, I was curious. My uh, mother-in-law had recently moved in with us, uh, and um, she is over 65 years old. And I was curious if it makes sense to sign up with my local natural gas provider with a uh, senior discount or sign up as a senior and put the bill on her name. Would that save me any money? Is it legal? Well, it depends on the jurisdiction. If you would be required to provide a deed that showed her on it in order to qualify. But there's a, a more important thing in terms of natural gas. Do you live in? You must live in one of the jurisdictions where you can shop your natural gas. Correct. There's All a right. market here. Yeah, I have All a choice, and um, I just got a letter saying that it was coming up for renewal, and um, that's what I do. Is I assume every six months is the time frame they send me a request to renew with the existing or go to the PSC site and um, choose a new marketer. All right. Now, I will tell you there's something that will matter to your wallet more than moving your gas bill into your mom's name and getting the senior rate or mother-in-law. Okay. Is this is an opportunity in some of the states where you can shop for natural gas to lock in a low rate for two years. Okay. Natural gas at wholesale has declined so much that doing a two-year lock-in at, at the very low rates today is something that I've been encouraging people to do. Now, not every deregulated market has marketeers offering a two-year rate, but I don't want you to do six months right now. At a minimum, I'd like you to do a year when you lock in, and the marketeers in states where you can comparison shop for natural gas tend to match each other's deals. So if you get, do you ever get postcards in the mail with special offerings? Yes, from other marketers. I do. Yeah. So you can you can even go to your existing marketer and say, hey, look, I got this offer. And well, do you know what you're paying to your natural it, gas supplier per therm? Probably 59 cents now. I think okay. And... You, you okay. likely, if you'll shop around, you may be able to find a lock-in at closer to around 50 cents a therm. Okay. Now, are you saying stick with fixed, or should I look at the variables? Definitely well? fixed. Okay. With prices as low as they are now at wholesale, in any state where you can shop in a competitive market for natural gas, lock in a fixed rate at today's rates. Because although it's always possible they could go down, if you look at historical numbers, the rates on natural gas to heat are phenomenally cheap compared to what they've been over the years. Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans proudly supports this podcast. When it comes to the big decision of choosing a mortgage lender, it's important to work with someone you can trust, someone who's got your best interests in mind. And with Rocket Mortgage, you'll get a transparent online process that gives you the confidence to make an informed decision. Don't waste time searching through stacks of paperwork. With Rocket Mortgage, you can securely share your financial info to get a mortgage approval in just minutes. You can even adjust the rate and length of your loan in real time to make sure that you get the mortgage solution that's right for you. 
So whether you're looking to buy a home or refinance your existing mortgage, you can lift the burden of getting a home loan with Rocket Mortgage. Skip the bank. Skip the waiting. Go completely online at quickenloans.com slash save. That's quickenloans.com slash S-A-V-E. Let Rocket Mortgage help you get the exact mortgage solution that you need. Go to quickenloans.com slash save. Equal housing lender licensed in all 50 states. NMLSconsumeraccess.org number 3030. I'm so glad to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show where it's about empowerment with knowledge that helps you save more and spend less and avoid getting ripped off. Clark.com is our website. Clarkdeals.com is our fast, fast, fast growing deal site where you get the latest bargains for your wallet. So I'm here for you. The reason I do this show is to give you knowledge that will help empower you in your life. And there are times that when I give advice, when I give guidance, that you feel I've missed the mark, that you feel that I've sent somebody down the wrong path. And I need your feedback. I need to do better. Because the only reason this show exists is to serve you. So we set up a feedback forum more than a decade ago called Clark Stinks. And truth be told, it's a pretty popular site on Clark.com where you go to the community section. Right, Krista? You just, yes, you go under connect, and then you go to message boards. Thank you. Connect, not community. Connect. Connect. And then you'll see Clark Stinks, and you can read what other people are unhappy with me about, and post how you feel I've let you down. And then weekly, except for last week, I apologize, our producer Krista goes through highlights with you that people have posted there, right here on the air. I should have never encouraged you to speak. You must think I'm pretty stupid. You should be ashamed of yourself. Well, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you're right, pal. Well, let's just go ahead and start with what you just mentioned. Um, Missing last week? Billy said, no Clark stinks on the April 7th podcast. That stinks. Sorry. So uh, Krista was not available on Clark Stinks Day and... So I guess I didn't smell as much that day. It was my fault. But but I've got a lot today. So let's start with United Airlines. I'm going to read you two. First, Clark talked about a passenger being dragged from the flight. Media and most of the public are finding United at fault. I beg to differ completely. I really felt that the passenger is behaving like a 10-year-old brat. I have a feeling that a certain percentage of people wait for this type of incident to happen in their life so that they can sue. And here's the second one. How dare you, Mr. Howard, in all caps. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily think that your outrage at United stinks, but the fact that I have to defend the villain smells horribly. On the subject of the man forcibly removed from the United flight, I need to play devil's advocate. First, I do want to point out that I absolutely hate the careless and I feel irresponsible process of overbooking flights. Second, I also feel that some hindsight judgment on the level of force used can be discussed. However, you nailed it on the head in your statement that the paying customers entered into a contract with United. 
At what point are we held responsible as well? And does anyone know the term contract of carriage? As much as I hate it, every one of those passengers agreed to the contract of carriage at time of purchase, and United followed the procedure set forth by first requesting volunteers. When that failed, they randomly chose four, three of which left peaceably. When the quote-unquote doctor refused to comply, that can also be associated with failing to comply with the flight crew. And when officers were on site to remove him, his continued refusal to comply escalated matters. He would have better, been better, better served himself to peaceably go and take to social media and work within the system he agreed in his, to in his purchase. And the outrage being expressed by his fellow passengers and everyone else out here, well, I guess that only extends as far as their own personal inconvenience, as no one else at any time gave up their seat so he could day. I'm sure there will still be filled seats on United flights for the foreseeable future. Seats filled by passengers still wanting to agree to this contract until it directly affects them. Andy. By the way, in the video I noticed after they dragged the guy out, there's a woman like hurriedly behind him getting her stuff off. I don't know if it was his wife or the other passenger who hadn't volunteered at that point, but she gets off that plane. In a hurry. Well, because she didn't want to get beaten to a pulp. Yes, I know. So the CEO of United has just said that he blamed an internal system failure. And he then goes on to say, we've not provided our frontline supervisors and managers with the proper tools, policies, and procedures that allow them to use their common sense. And there are all kinds of calls worldwide for the CEO of United to step down And he said, I will not. I was hired to make United better, and we've been doing that, and that's what I'll continue to do. Now, I stated at length earlier this week the way I thought airlines should handle overbooked situations. And you create carrots instead of sticks. And I don't don't know why I stink there. It's just people are upset about the whole situation, everything about it, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Corpses stink, and this time your advice did too. A man asking if a man was asking if he should follow his dad's recommend, recommendation to buy a term life insurance on his dad's life. To me, it seems akin to buying a viatical and then hoping that the guy, his dad, dies. I know that you were answering his question, but I am surprised that you took off your human hat so quickly and did not explore his dad's thinking a little more. One, when older, there are many reasons that someone may become depressed and begin to be thinking about death being attractive, which could generate that advice. A, if he just lost a spouse, he may be lonely uh, about the adjustment or just be temporarily depressed. B, he could be disappointed in how his life is turning out or feeling useless. C, not being able to provide inheritance he would prefer or maybe promised. Uh, And number two, I know you, I know, I know you know that for normal people, the reason for insurance to transfer insurable risk and not for enrichment. I believe that you should have at least asked the son to consider if there was an insurable need. I know you're not a counselor. I'm not either, but I thought you would have pushed in a little to explore the state of mind, reason for insurance or impact of the transaction. And then in year nine or 14, what does it do to the relationship? Okay, dad, I bought the term life policy and we're ready for you to die. In this case, (laughs) I feel like you dropped the corpse. And there was actually a second Clark Stinks post about this. Same kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Well, I I apologize if I missed the mark on that. So uh, the suicide angle did not occur to me because generally with a life insurance policy, the benefit is restricted typically for two years from issue in the event someone were to take his or her own life. 
And I, I maybe was too focused on answering the question and not enough on the human side. And for that, I apologize. Okay, this is related to United, but it's different. Punishment versus reward. I was listening to your segment contrasting United Airlines and another now defunct airline. I enjoyed hearing your thoughts on the issue at first, but then a small voice from the back seat said, Did you hear him, Daddy? He said rewards work better than punishment. You aren't always nice to Charlie and me. (laughs) You aren't always nice to Charlie and me. You're going to be a company someday, so you better not punish us or you're going to get thrown in jail. Oh, no. You should be more careful with what you say. Young, impressionable minds listen to your show and believe everything you say. Terrible Clark Stinks post, I know, but I had to share. My wife and I had a great laugh about that later. (laughs) My four and five-year-olds love listening to your show with me. Sincerely, Daniel in Tulsa. Daniel, thank you. Okay, kids, you do something wrong, you're going to get punished. See, in this case, it's United that did something wrong. So they're getting punished. So on the thing that I talked about, I'll just mention it for people who didn't hear me earlier in the week. The nation's largest airlines was an airline called Eastern. And Eastern failed because of a civil war between its employees and management, not because of any other reason. But they had a system to handle overbooking where they had a special cheap ticket you could buy for a flight. And you flew on that flight unless it was oversold and they needed your seat. And if they needed your seat, they refunded your money and guaranteed you travel on the next flight. So people up front bought the cheaper ticket knowing that they might get bumped from the flight, but they get their money back. And up front, they got a cheaper ticket than anybody else. Not allowing callers to use a company name? Why are callers told not to use a company name when they are calling for advice about that company? Why does Clark take a call about a specific company when he is unfamiliar with that company? Thank you. Okay, so I know typically what company somebody's calling about because when our screener Kim has talked to the caller, she's gotten that information for me. But I learned very early, I've been on the air 30 years, I learned very early on that people might engage in corporate sabotage, that somebody would call and bash a company, and they were doing it because they were a competitor. So what I learned at that point is unless something's a monopoly, that their name is to be protected. A monopoly, I don't care about protecting them because you don't have anywhere else you can go anyway. Or if it's something that is already well-known that there's a problem with a company, they can be named. So that's why I protect the reputation of a firm, because until I know what the caller is talking about is true, I have a duty and responsibility to make sure that I am fair to the business as well as being there to serve you as the listener, the customer. Depositing cash into an online bank. In a recent podcast, I heard Clark say there's no way to deposit cash in an online bank, but on social media, I saw a possible workaround. You can buy a money order and then deposit it into your account through the app like you would a check. It sounds like a great idea to me, but I haven't actually tried it. Yeah, I assume that would work where you you use your phone app to deposit a check. You would deposit a money order. The only downside to that is you'd have to pay to buy the money order, and so that would 
siphon off some of your money. I had to buy a money order a couple of weeks ago on short notice for my son's passport renewal, and it cost me $1.50 for the money order, so I skipped a meal. (laughs) Saving on printing costs and ink. Hello, Clark. Costco refills ink cartridges, black ink and color, for around $10 each, a fraction of the cost of a new cartridge. They also do a diagnostic on the cartridge before refilling to ensure it's in good working order, so you won't pay for a refill unless the cartridge is in good shape. The number of times a cartridge can be refilled varies by brand and other factors. For some people, the savings on ink alone would pay for the cost of their membership. This is a great deal that has Clark Howard written all over it, yet you never mention it when giving advice on on the show on how to save printing costs. Love you. Love your show. Never miss a podcast. Thank you for all you do to help others. P.S. How's this for a Clark deal. For a limited time, Costco is offering a coupon for $2 off the already low price on refills. Now that is a loyal Costco member. So you're the second person recently to talk to me about refilling the incredibly overpriced Hewlett-Packard cartridges at Costco. And as long as the quality is good, the price is great. So please post on Clark Stinks. Again, go to Clark.com, click on Connect, and then click on our message boards. And then uh, when you write your post, please try to write them as briefly as possible, right, Clark? Because we get some that are like really, really novels, long. Yeah. All right, here's a, a quick one I can read for a last minute thing. Dear Yoda Howard, I recently learned about Signature Visa and MasterCard World Elite. I wish you would discuss how we can master credit card benefits more often. I don't recall you ever discussing the different levels that credit cards offer and the benefits they include. Maybe you could do a segment on the levels offers and which are best. And we're actually planning on doing some reviews um, soon about uh, credit cards and the different offers that are out there. Generally, with the Visa cards, the reward cards that you get Sorry, I'm a little froggy right now. The reward cards that you get will have an automatic tie-in with Visa Signature or the MasterCard cards that come as reward cards will have the MasterCard equivalent where you get the package of benefits thrown in and those benefits can end up being very valuable to you. They may involve things like uh, car rental coverage that's secondary to your own automobile insurance, They may uh, have flight coverage, may have benefits like uh, trip cancellation insurance, and those benefits may vary from issuer to issuer. And so we should make that part of the guide we're going to do. We will, for sure. Well, I want to hear from you. Remember, go to Clark.com, go to Clark Stinks, and let me know how I can serve you better. William is with us on the Clark Howard Show William, you are in the clutches of something that I don't care for, auto title loans. Is that right? Yes. And um, how old's your car? What do you have? Got a 2003 Jetta. And how much did they lend you against the Jetta? About 900 And how long ago did you take out the title loan? About two months ago. So at this point, is the loan about sixteen hundred? Uh thirteen. Thirteen hundred. Okay. How can I help you with that? Because I despise those loans. Generally, they carry a three hundred percent interest rate. It's horrible. Um, I 
they kind of, I was in a really desperate situation and, uh, it seemed plausible, you know, of course everything seems plausible the more desperate you are, you know, and, uh, um, I guess I was curious if you had any suggestions on, I mean, besides the obvious, just, you know, taking it, but, uh, I, I just, I don't know if there's any companies up there or some way I... No, no, I'm glad you said that. You know, there are all these ads running on TV. I've seen, I saw one on a billboard the other day, a company that says they'll get you out of your title pawn loan. Yeah. And don't believe that. That's just rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic. Do you have Great. do you have any um anything in your possession that you could turn into thirteen hundred? <laughs> okay, okay, I got that. All right, any uh, relatives or friends that would be crazy enough to lend you thirteen hundred bucks? No, no. Okay. The only thing I can think of is, you know, I am a student, and you know, I normally use my Pell. Uh, grant for living expenses and such. This would be a case where if you are a full-time student, I've never said anything like this before, borrow against the student loan program and pay off the title loan. Uh, The interest rate will obviously be much lower than 300%. Hang on, please. I'm John Horn. I'm the host of Geffen Playhouse Unscripted. I'm here with our very first guest, Rain Wilson. Hi, John. It looks like I'm the first guest on the Geffen Unclothed. Unscripted. Unscripted. Yeah, let's go with that. A marriage made in heaven, I guess. Or Westwood. Tune in for some of our exciting upcoming guests. David Copperfield, Neil LaBute, Neil Patrick Harris, Josh Gad, Rita Wilson, and many more. Be sure to download new episodes every Wednesday on the Podcast One app and on iTunes. And don't forget to rate, review, and share. And, and I'm Rain Wilson, the first guest. You are no, the very first guest. This was a huge uh, mistake. Stephen Playhouse Unscripted. Huge mistake. Stay tuned for 60 seconds of AP News headlines right after this podcast. Glad you're with us here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's all about you learning ways to save more and spend less, and don't let anyone ever rip you off. Clark.com is our website, and one of the things at Clark.com is our cell phone plan buying guide. It is a very popular section on clark.com because the turmoil in the cell phone industry is at an all-time level the changes in rate plans extreme the number of providers you can go to is adding a level of complexity to how you shop for service that i want to talk about so historically how did you do this you would go to a cell phone store typically owned by the brand Verizon, Sprint, T-Mobile, AT&T, you'd go to one of their places and the person who was your salesperson there would guide you into a phone, into a plan. One of the changes that has happened because of the smartphone era is people first pick out a phone, then pick out a plan and move from there. Well, there's so many different ways you can do this now that when people are hit with too much complexity too much choice people kind of shut down and this is an area where i hope you'll be patient with yourself to get the best deal and by the way the best deal 
may not be where it would most obviously seem with one of those four brand names I talked about. Because there are many, many choices of providers now, and depending on whether you travel internationally, whether you travel domestically, whether you tend to stay in the area you're in, how robust cell phone service is where you are, how much you're on your cell phone for data, or how little you're on your phone for data, how many people there would be on your plan. So you start thinking about it, people after about three decision points start to freeze up, start to have a hard time making a decision. So what I've tried to do at Clark.com is lay out for you different companies. Rather than starting with the phone first, start with what company offer is going to be best for you. Go back to how people used to do it, where you pick a company, then pick a phone. And as far as going to the store of the brand of the cell phone company that you're going to do your service with, maybe that's the right idea, maybe not. Sometimes you'll be better off at an authorized dealer for that brand rather than at the company-owned store because the authorized dealer, because the commissions they get for getting a new customer, may be able to offer you a better deal on your phone. You don't know. You may even be best off buying your phone third party. I usually do that where you can buy a smartphone from Amazon, a big seller of smartphones. Or from B&H Photo, another big seller of a more limited number of smartphones. Or many times people will buy, particularly those who like iPhones, will buy a reconditioned iPhone on eBay. And as for the service, the service plans are so varied. And now with everybody offering some unlimited data option. If you're a a big user of data, what I like for you to do is if it's just you or just you and somebody else, look at the sub-brand of the bigs. So Metro PCS for T-Mobile, Cricket for AT&T, or Boost for Sprint. Because just for one or two people, their unlimited data plans same exact network, or cheaper than from the parent brand. It's the same exact product, just with a discount brand under the name brand, owned by the name brand. Verizon's a different story. Verizon doesn't own its secondary brand called Total Wireless. It's a joint venture with somebody else. And Total Wireless does not, as of yet, offer unlimited data. And if you don't need unlimited data, my favorite choice of all is for you to look at republicwireless.com. Check it out as an outstanding value in cell phone service. Paul is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Paul. Hello, Clark. How are you today? Great, thank you. Technology keeps managing to empty your wallet. It's doing a wonderful job. I feel like I've got a bow constrictor around my throat. Oh, no. Oh, well, yeah. well, that I need to help you with. 
That I, is I, that I, is a scary image you just painted for me. That's how I feel. It's just I've been with these folks for a long time. I cannot complain about the customer service. And if they're always there to help if you got an issue, and for what they're charging, they ought to be. So I, is this is this an uh, television package we're talking about, or what are we referring to? It is. It is uh, cable. It is the internet, and it is the phone service. It's the basic, or it's not basic, it's the, the premium service. I'm now up to 125 a month just for that. And then the various boxes comes out to 42.15 a month. And then the trash fees, taxes are another $15 a month. Something $182 a month. Wow. Now, wow. To, yeah, I've been to the retention people I don't know how many years. I think they've they flagged my phone number. Uh, they're not willing to give an inch. <laughs> okay. That is a huge amount of money per month. It is. Right. So I, I find that, that bundles only tie up your wallet and that you're better off unbundling your bundle and looking at different players. So okay. if you were to look at these things individually – do you have a cell phone that you use principally? Um, we we have cell phones. We also have the the uh, landlines attached with this, and and that was just more of a security thing. We're in our seventies. Okay, because the phone part is the easiest part of the bundle first to dispatch with. Because if you have an internet connection. I'm a big fan of OOMA, O-O-M-A dot com, uh which is a phone service that after you buy a device, it costs you, depending on local junk fees, it'll cost you 2 to $5 a month typically. Okay. And that would be a whole lot less than what they're packing in on the phone service in your bundle. All right. And are you a Costco member? No, I'm not, but as a matter of fact, we were discussing doing that this morning we are a uh, bj's All right, bj's is a great bj's wholesale is a great warehouse club too um costco sells the uma device price moves up and down on it and then once you have it again all you pay for phone service from them forward is uh junk fee pass-throughs okay. and that would be the first part if you debundle the second thing is do you live in a home where you can put a satellite dish up? Yes. You're going to find that Dish Network is much cheaper than what you're paying to the cable company. I get a, I, I get a bundle of solicitations from their competitor. From DirecTV? Uh, from DirecTV. Yeah, Dish, Dish. is cheaper than DirecTV. I've I, I never get anything from Dish. I had them the one time and... Uh, this was years ago now. When a storm blew in, the TV was, was worthless. I don't know how technology has come along. To oh, it's still that. worthless when there's a storm. <laughs> that hasn't changed. But if you if you look at dishnetwork.com and see what new subscriber offers they're making, and uh-huh. you debundle with the TV going that way, or you can also consider, if you want to add more complexity to your life, but pay less money, if you were to go to one of the lower-level packages with Dish and sign up for Netflix, you will be blown away how much television is available 
for I think Netflix is now nine a month, ten a month. It used to be eight a month. I forget what they are now, but it, it's you know it's very very inexpensive with a massive amount of programming available on your schedule. Okay, yeah, because I've got. I don't know, 40 stations of music, which I never listened to. I've got more stuff than I, than I would exactly. ever want. Exactly. So the beauty of where TV is going is that you'll watch when what you want, when you want, and Netflix is the heart and soul of being able to migrate that way and lower your costs a whole bunch. So well, now I've got you. now I've got you from one company with everything tied up. I've already got you now at three companies. Now one for one for your phone. Netflix. Sorry? The one I'm missing is the internet. Yeah, we're going to go to that now. Because see, okay. now I got you debundled. Okay. So for the internet, you have where you live the choice of the cable company or the phone company. That's it, right? I would suspect that that's correct. So call the phone company or go to their website, see what they'll offer you for internet, and... Once you start looking at the internet individually and you put that cable company into competition with the phone company, you might not have to switch to the phone company to get a better deal, but just the fact that you've gone and you've said, okay, I found this, you're going to really get them negotiating with you. Wonderful. So I've just just given you a three-hour project. But the goal is to drop your cost from 182 a month down to about 80 a month. That would be wonderful. Oh, it's not a would be. It will be. You do all these things, I'll get you down to that price. And let me hear how you do with the odyssey of negotiating with everybody. I hope it's fun. Bobby's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Bobby. Hey, how are you doing, Clark? It's Great, thank you. you. You're getting married? Yes, sir. And, and you have an unusual question for me that I'm not asked a lot about weddings. What is that? Well, Clark, I'm getting married in September, and my in-laws are giving me a lot of pressure to get insurance to cover the price of the reception. And uh, to me, it seems like the venue is willing to cover it if there's like an act of God or something that falls through on their end. But, you know, if there's something that happens on my end, I mean, hopefully nothing tragic, but, you know, maybe a death or some other extenuating circumstance that would cause us to need to reschedule, you know, we would lose a lot of money. And okay, so, so wedding and I'll, I'll tell you, you're giving all good reasons, Bobby. Okay. And wedding insurance is controversial because uh, people have felt they pay a lot for something that, they're likely not to use, and if they do need it, that it's not the easiest getting the payouts from the policies. Roger. But there's a whole different thing here. You said your in-laws, your future in-laws are pressuring you to do it? Yes, sir. Buy the policy. <laughs> I'm not kidding. You think I'm joking. No, you want to be off on the right foot with your new in-laws. And this isn't going to be a huge cost versus the cost of the wedding. Right. So even though you think wedding insurance is junk, you just it's just one of those things you roll over and you do it. All right. How much well, money is it? Uh, for the whole reception? No, for the whole for the insurance policy. 
Uh, well, that's what I was going to ask you next. Uh, I've seen some different options. I mean, I can get the Cadillac, which is, you know, a couple hundred dollars, or I can get some more cheap. And also just... Yeah, get the one that's a couple of hundred dollars. Buy them the Cadillac policy, make them happy, and just look at it as a cost of the wedding. Lisa is with us. Hi, Lisa. How are you? Hi, Clark. How are you? Great. Lisa, you have yes. one of those problems in life we all wish we could have. I know. <laughs> You're making know. good money. Yeah, I know. I, I received, I've, I'm going to be 32 this year. I work as a pharmacist at a grocery store. Um, and I You work a million really, hours a week, don't you? It, yeah, actually, it's not that bad. Really? Um, I, yeah, I, I am really lucky to have a job where I, I work long days or 12 hour days, but I only have to work like three days a week. So I get a lot of days off every week, which is kind of part of my problem because I don't have children yet. It's just myself and my husband. I'm, I have the opportunity to work a lot of extra shifts. Um, I even got another uh, license in another state so that I could um, work even more extra shifts to make more money so that when I have children in a few years, hopefully I'll have the opportunity to work, you know, part-time. Wow. Anyway, I've been maxing out my 401k, um, and so is my husband. And last year, I did a lot of extra shifts, so my income was just above 115000 It was around 116000 because of doing these extra shifts. So I got a letter in the mail a few days ago saying because my gross wages exceeded 115000 I'm limited to only um, deferring 4% of my salary into my 401k as opposed to the max that I've been deferring. All right, let me tell you what that is. It means that you're mm-hmm. being treated as a corporate insider that mm-hmm. working for a supermarket chain, a lot of the people that work in the supermarket aren't participating in the retirement plan. So uh-huh. at employers that don't have good participation from people down the pay scale, they punish uh-huh. what's really targeted towards the corporate executives. You just got caught uh-huh. in that net because uh-huh. of all this hard work you're putting in. Right. So you right. are, though, eligible to do a, a Roth. Are you doing a Roth yet? Yes. Yeah. My husband and I both are maxing out a Roth. All right. So you ready for step three? Yes. Step three, since they've really uh, trimmed your sales on being able to save through a 401k-type environment, is you should open a traditional investment account at okay. at one of the very index-happy-oriented places. Like you heard me earlier this hour mention Charles Schwab. They have very, very low costs, what are known as exchange-traded funds, that have very favorable tax treatment. And then Vanguard has uh, its index funds, which would be very favorable for you to put money into. Yeah, I was actually thinking about, um, because I'm going to have you know, a lot of extra income, over, because basically I've already contributed the 4% this year. So they're cutting me down to 0% for the rest of the year. So you just pound money in, just pour money in to index funds, widely diversified. Look at some of the information I have on my intermediate investment guide to get a sense of how you should be going with that. And you are to be rewarded and also congratulated for your hard work, your high earnings, and your great savings. 
Thanks for listening to the Clark Howard Podcast. Download new episodes every Monday through Friday at podcastone.com. That's podcastone.com. Everyone sells today. So how do you bring your best sales game every day? Simple. Listen to the Advanced Selling Podcast on Podcast One. Hi, I'm Bill Kasky. And I'm Brian Neal. Each week, we answer listener questions like, how do I compete against a cheap competitor? And Brian's favorite, because he always has an answer to this, how do I meet with a CEO when they won't even return my calls? The Advanced Selling Podcast is where the best go to get better. Listen Mondays on Podcast One and on iTunes. What we're learning about the Manchester bomber. I'm Rita Foley with an AP News Minute. The father of the alleged Manchester suicide bomber says his son didn't do it. We don't believe in killing innocents, he told the AP. But the father reportedly was a member of an al-Qaeda-backed group in Libya years ago. That, according to a former Libyan security official. Meanwhile, police have carried out raids on a block of apartments in Manchester. Witnesses say they heard explosions. Alan Kinsey was a neighbor of the alleged bomber. The actual family that had been there, I'd, I'd never really come across them yeah. in bad ways. It was always, even when I said hello, he never seemed to speak back to you. He was just like, kept themselves to themselves, and that was about it. The British putting more military troops on the streets now as police say it's clear this is a network they're investigating. President Trump has arrived in Brussels for NATO meetings after a visit this morning with the Pope at the Vatican. I'm Rita Foley.